Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 1. We are so thankful for God for this is Mother's Day. And no matter where you're at, hopefully that you are enjoying Mother's Day or planning on enjoying Mother's Day as everyone's making preparations to honor those special mothers within their life. Well, hopefully you've taken some time now to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel in chapter number 1. The book of 1 Samuel chapter number 1, and notice with me starting at verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth, <coughs> Zoloph, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the other was Penana. And Penana had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were the priest of the Lord were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penana his wife and to her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year she went up to the house of the Lord, and she, and so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah her husband, <laughs> then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaiden and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaiden a man-child, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. 
And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaiden for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hither, hither thereto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went away and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And if you have the marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 1? The book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, as we put a highlight and do a character study on Hannah, notice what she told the Lord in verse number 28. Notice the phrase, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And with the Lord's help, as we do a character study on Hannah, we could see this principle here of giving your children to the Lord. Giving your children to the Lord. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. A God who knows what he's doing. A God who's always on time. And we thank you so much for the principles that we could find in the Bible. And that we know the great purpose of everything that you do is to bring you, us to yourself. To bring us closer to you. And that you have different methods of doing that. We could see this all in play here in this morning's message. And that we could see the great purpose that Hannah had. That she was determined to raise her kids to follow the Lord. Help us to learn from this principle ourselves in Jesus' name. 
Fill me with your precious spirit so that way it's your word and your work that gets accomplished, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. As we study this amazing character study, we could see that God had did something amazing within the life of Hannah. But it wasn't an easy life, but it was an amazing life. The first thing I'd like to show you in Hannah's life was her barrenness. Her barrenness. Now, the story takes place at the, in the end of the book of Judges. So it's during a time where they had no king and every man did what was right in their own eyes. And yet, it was in the midst of this where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. When everyone else was doing what they wanted. When everyone else was doing what felt good. When everyone else was doing what was convenient. Here is a family and specifically a mother or a want-to-be mother who wanted to do what was right. This is a family that tried to worship the Lord together. They tried to honor God. They tried to follow what was right. So in the midst, when everyone else is doing wrong, and not even the priest were doing right, here is a family that had wanted to do something right. And yet, she was barren. Notice with me in verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth, of the Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, and it goes and gives his lineage. And he had two wives. The, white, the name of one was Hannah, and the other was Penana. And Penana had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship, to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. So they went to where the house of God was. And they were faithful going to the house of God every time that it was appointed. Verse number four. And when the time was come that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penana and his wife and to, uh, <coughs> and to all of her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Notice this. Why was it that she was barren? Was it because of sin? Was it because of something else? No, God had shut up her womb. And he had a purpose for it. We know that there's a time that God sometimes does not allow things to come to pass. And it's not because he's mean and it's not because he's withholding stuff. It's because he has something better. And that sometimes we are not prepared for it. Now, if you asked Hannah back then, Hannah, are you ready to have children? She would say, of course I am. That's what I want more than anything else. But God says, nope, you're not quite ready yet. I'm, it's going to come to pass, but I'm allowing a barrenness to come because I want you to do something for me. I need to get your attention. I need you to be ready to do something amazing with your child. And so the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6, And her adversary also provoked her sore to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Her adversary was the other wife, Penana. Now in the ancient world, if you as a lady were not able to produce a child, there was something wrong with you. And so the other wife would go up and say, Huh, look at all my kids. I'm sorry that you're not woman enough to get the job done. And she would always provoke her and aggravate her and make things uncomfortable. Always trying to antagonize her. And Hannah more than ever wanted to have a child. And it wasn't a thing that she could forget about because her adversary kept poking it. Kept aggravating, kept bringing it up that she wasn't able to have children. And it would make her fret. 
And so, as they did year by year, they went uh, to the house of the Lord. But Hannah, uh, because of the provoking, because of all of this, she's at the place where she wept and she didn't eat. She's brokenhearted. And uh, Elkanah tried to encourage her. He said, ain't ain't I better? That's probably not good English. Aren't I better than 10 children? I think Hannah nodded her head, but inside she's like, no. You're not a good replacement for children. I want children. You may be a man child, but that's not what I want. I want my own child to raise and to do something with. That was the thing in her heart, but she was barren and it was empty. And finally, this barrenness brought a brokenness. That's the second thing I want to show you here is that she finally broke. Year after year, she wanted a baby. Year after year, she's getting provoked. But finally, she came to a breaking point. And she cried out to God. Her heart is now prepared for what God has for her. Notice with me in verse number 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest had sat upon a seat of the post of the temple of the Lord. And she, that's Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. So here's Hannah. They go up and they do to the house of God and she excuses herself as everybody else has made this trip and she gets by herself and she just prays. She's just so broken now. She's broken of spirit and she just weeps out to God and just crying out to God, God, I just want a baby. I just want a child. Can you just please allow me to have a child? Do you think she really wanted one? Do you think this was something that was deep inside? She is bitter, not bitter at God, but it carries the idea that inside she is so broken. She's just once a child. So in verse number 11, notice she vows a vow. And she vows a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaiden and remember me and not forget thine handmaiden. Let's pause there. Have you ever got to the place where you say, God, I'm here. Remember me? Do you see me? I've been praying the same thing over and over and over again. Do you see me? Is there a busy tone? Please, God, do you hear me? That's part of our prayer. God, please remember me. I'm here. I know I'm a nobody, but see me. I have a prayer request. He Notice what she says. If thou, but will thou... But will give unto thy handmaiden a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of her life. Now, here's Hannah. All she wanted for an entire life was a child. Just give me a child. I just want a child. I want a child. And God had got her to the place where she's finally broken. And when she's broken, she says, If you give me a child, I'll make a deal. If you give me a child, I will give him back to you. If you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. God is bringing her to the point where she's finally realizing. You see, God has a desire to use Samuel. God has a desire to use this child that's not born yet. But he has to have her, the mother, prepared to raise the child the way that God desired to be raised. 
So she's at the place. God, I'll always remember that this is a child on loan from you. My job is to raise him up to serve you. And God says, now that your heart's there, now I know that your heart and you're serious about it, guess what? And so she continues to pray. Verse 12. And it came to pass that as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. Now here's the high priest, Eli, who is not a good guy, who is used to drunkenness and of course, that's where his mind goes. Instead of thinking something nice about her, he's already thinking something horrible about her. And here she is. She's at the altar. She's praying. And she's praying so intently. She has her eyes closed. God, please. And nothing's coming out. She's saying it inside, but her lips are matching what she's saying. God, please. God, please. And he comes by and he just sees this girl who's just moving and mouthing but not saying anything. Why are you... What's with all the drunk people? Why do the drunk people have to come up here? What are you doing? And he begins to rebuke her and yell at her. Now that's probably not very comforting to her. Here she is. She's praying. God, please, you give me a child. I'll give him back to you. And the preacher comes by and says, are you drunk? What? That was the furthest thing from her. She's immediately challenged on it. How is she going to respond? Verse number 14 and Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, and I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaiden for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken. So Eli finally hears this and he finally clicks. You know what? Maybe there is someone who's actually right with God. Maybe there's someone who's generally coming here to the house of the Lord to actually worship God instead of just, okay. So he finally senses something else is going on. Verse 17. <laughs> or we could see this brokenness. Verse 17 brings us to the last thing and where we're going to spend the rest of the time. We start off with her barrenness, which brings her to her brokenness. And then finally, the blessedness. She gets the blessing. She gets what she's looking for. The high priest looks at her in verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Aren't you glad that we have a God who hears and answers prayer? Here's something that was meaningful and deep in her heart. Something she wanted to get to pass. And God had brought her to the place where she's no longer praying for a child. But now she's praying for a child that she could give back to God. And now that God has her heart right and has her with the right motive that not just to have a child, but to have a child to raise for the Lord, God brings the blessedness. He has Eli say the words, but she doesn't believe it because Eli said it. She believes it because God had confirmed in her. Their countenance immediately changed. Notice verse 18. And she said, let thy handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. Why was it no more sad? Because she had faith that God was going to answer her prayers. You know, sometimes all we need to hear is that God says, I've got it handled. And that's all we need. God says, I've got this taken care of, Hannah. You're good. That burden is lifted away. God's heard my prayer. God's going to do something with it. Now all she has to do is wait for it to come to pass. 
And it did come to pass that Elkanah knew her husband and the Lord remembered her. And it came to pass, verse 20, when the time had come about after Hannah conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I asked him of the Lord. We have a God who hears and answers prayer. And she had this son and I call him Samuel because I asked him of the Lord. He's my answer to prayer. But she remembered her agreement. If you give me a man child, I'm going to turn around and give him to you. I'm going to raise him for you. And we could see this going up. That Elkanah said, all right, it's our yearly trip to the house of God. Hannah says, I can't go. I promised my child to him and it's not time to give him. I, when it's time to give him, I'm going to be ready to go. And so he, she said, I'm going to wait till he's weaned. Now, things work differently in the ancient world. A child was usually weaned from feeding off his mother probably between ages five to seven. That's a long time in our standards. But this, during that time of five to seven, she is taking this child and she is training and raising him. They say that the golden age of learning is between ages birth to age five. That during that time, children learn more than they ever learn the rest of their life. Now, there are things that we take for granted that children have to learn. Children have to learn how to sit up and not wobble and fall over. We take that for granted because our muscles are used to it. But they have to learn that. They have to learn to take a step. You remember, we all think it's cute when, all right, take your first step. And they take the step and wobble and they fall down and we go, yay, and we're so glad. I mean, we take it for granted because we walk and we don't even think about it. But for them, they had to think about the walk to take the leg and to take the step forward. There is so much they learn in that first five to seven years. The psychologists who study children that say by age three, their personality begins to be formed. By age five, their personality is set. Now that doesn't mean that you can't correct character flaws that they may have, but the personality, how they are, whether they're bubbly or whether they're sour, whether the different things, the quirks they have is set by age five. And you know, it's that mother that is taking time with a child that influences who that child is so much. And Hannah is taking advantage of it. She is teaching that child. The Jesuits, who are the militant arm of the Roman Catholic Church, used to say this, you give us a child until they're age seven, then we don't care where they go, they will always be ours. Why do they say that? Because during that time, you can instill into that child everything they're going to need to survive in life including a faith in God. And so Hannah during this time is taking the time before she gives him to the Lord to train him how to obey the Lord in everything. This is important. Notice with me as we get to the end. She finally brings uh, Samuel to the house of God and to deliver him to keep that promise. Notice with me in verse 26. 
And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by the way here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked him. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. What is going on? She says, I recognized my responsibility was to raise this child to serve God. And may I now make the application to us that every parent is going to stand before God and give an account, not if your kid is raised to be a moral person. Not if your child does not kill anybody. Not if your child is a good enough person he doesn't rob banks. You will not stand before God and give an account for if your child happens to be a good citizen. What you will be held accountable for is, is your child raised and trained to be obedient to the Lord? Now that doesn't mean that you're successful if your child is a preacher. What we're saying is that you're successful if your child develops the habit of being obedient to God's will. No matter what it is. Are they trained? Do they have the heart for it? We're going to get into that in just a second in detail. But that's what every parent is going to stand before God for. Did you raise your child to give back to him? Did you raise your child for them to serve God? God. So many parents are satisfied with the idea, well, my kid didn't rob anybody, he's good. That's not the qualifications. Well, my child, he's, he's just a good kid. That's not the qualification. Is the child prepared and raised to serve God? May I show you this in the book of Proverbs? Notice with me in the book of Proverbs chapter 22. The book of Proverbs chapter 22 and I want you to notice with me in verse number 6. Proverbs 22 and in verse number 6. I want you to pay attention to this verse because there are some things that people teach that this does not say. Let me teach you what it does say. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. Pay attention to this verse. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some people, because they're clinging for hope, they're seeking for hope, sometimes twist this verse to say this. Well, when my child becomes a teenager, they'll rebel against God and their parents. Then when they're 20, they'll sow their wild oats. And then when they're 30, they'll finally get their act together. And by age 40, maybe they'll come back to the Lord after I've taught them this. That is not what this verse says. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take away hope, but I have to teach what the Bible says. What does this say? You train up a child in the way that he shall go, and when he is eight years old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is 13 years old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is 18 years old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is 21 years old, when he is 30 years old, when he is 40 years old, he will not depart from it. You say, but I've been doing the training. 
Well, then we have to understand more of this first. That phrase, training up a child the way it ought to go, the original phrase comes from a colloquial term that carries the idea of having a salve having a bitter salve that when they would take a brand new baby who was just now born, they would put that, that salve, that, that, um, um, I just forgot what, it's not very consistent. It's not water, but it's not, um, uh, solid. It's a paste type thing. And they would put it on their lips, on the gums. And what would happen is that the little baby would start to go, And what it would do is it was training that child to go ahead and learn how to suck. So that way it would immediately latch on and feed off mom. It's that type of tone. And this idea of training up a child is not the idea of taking care of the outward behavior. But it carries the idea of putting it in their heart. To train up a child in the way that it ought to go is not to cover the outside. It is to get into the inside. Do they have a heart to follow God? And that takes training. That takes time to teach them to get a hold of their heart. Now, parents with young children, keep the hearts of your kids. Because once they get away from you, it's hard to get it back. You have to take time to invest, to love on them, to keep their heart. And if you have their heart, you could train that heart to follow after God. Remember, belief affects behavior. If you just work on the behavior, you don't work on the inside, you will miss this verse. What's happening is that they will look like they're following after the Lord until they leave the house. And as soon as they leave the house, they'll go crazy and never follow the Lord. What happened? Because they took care of the outside, but not the inside. You have to capture their heart and you have to work with them from the very beginning. Let me tell you a secret that if you are consistent with children early and Often in the idea of disciplining and chastising with the idea of correcting their heart, you will not have to do so much later on in life. Now, it doesn't mean it's impossible. I'm just saying it's harder and you have to put a lot more work on it when their heart is not trained when they're older. But it can be done, but it takes work and you can't give up on it. Because why? You will stand before God and give an account. For if your child was trained to follow after God and be obedient to him. This is a big charge. And this is exactly what Hannah is saying. I recognize that my job as a mother is to train up my child to follow after God. And you have to do it by getting into their heart and training their heart to follow after God. You could make a kid read the Bible and not get it in their heart. You could teach a child not to lie. But not get into their heart. Why not to lie? You have to work on this. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old. You put whatever old in there. When he is old. He shall not depart from it. Now as we look back into the life of Hannah. Here is Hannah. She had five or so years to raise this child. And when the child was placed back, he was not placed into the greatest home. 
But because of the things that Hannah had invested and worked and trained into the heart of Samuel, he was willing to obey God even if those around him was not. Case in point, he's about seven or eight years old. And in the middle of the night, he hears a voice, Samuel, Samuel. And because his heart was trained and prepared to respond to biblical authority, he got up out of bed immediately and not turned over and said five more minutes or ignored it. But immediately he got up, rushed into Eli's room and said, here am I for thou callest me. And Eli, like any other parent whose child wakes him up in the middle of the night, says, go back to bed. Okay. And then God speaks to Samuel again. Samuel, Samuel. He rushes back to Eli. Here I am. And Eli, go back to bed. The third time. Samuel, Samuel. Now, if he was a normal teenager, he would say, all right, someone's just playing tricks on me. I'm going back to bed. But because his heart was trained, because it was prepared, he went immediately, even though twice he was told it wasn't Samuel. Now Eli's finally awake enough to realize, you know what? This is probably God speaking. So he trained Samuel how to respond. Next time you hear that voice, don't come see me. You say, here am I, Lord, speak. And as a seven-year-old child, God spoke. Samuel said, here am I, Lord, speak. And if you could, you could read it for yourself in 1 Samuel chapter 3. God tells Samuel what he's going to do, which includes some very hard things concerning Eli. Why? Why would he tell a young child that? Because he was prepared to be obedient to God. As you go through 1 Samuel chapter 3 at the very end, you can see from Dan to Beersheba, from the north to the south borders, everyone knew that Samuel was prepared or was called to be a prophet. If you go through 2 Samuel, you could see that the testimony of Samuel is that he did not let a single word of the Lord fall to the ground. It's almost like an illustration of a basket with an apple tree. And as the apples begin to fall, that you were looking forward to it and didn't get a single one to catch the ground. And some of it required movement. Where did that come from? It did not come from Eli. It came from Hannah, who invested in her son. And taught him and trained him up in the way that he ought to go. That when he is old, he will not depart from it. She took the responsibility. It's not the idea that I have a child and I'm going to do the best I can with him. It's the idea that I have a child that's on loan from God. And I am expected to train this child to follow after God. And in order to do that, I have to get a hold of that child's It is a matter of the heart. What a great job that Hannah did. Now remember that there was some prep work for it. That God had to bring her to the place of brokenness. She was barren and God had to get her to the place where she was teachable. Where she finally said, I'm not raising this child just for me. I want to raise this child for God. And God said, that's what I was looking for. You've got it right. Now that you understand what you're supposed to do, raise him for me. 
and she responded and trained him well. She only had him, Samuel, in her house for five or so years. But those five or so years, she took advantage of it, didn't even go on vacation with the rest of the family. Uh, that uh, We're giving <laughs> illustration here that she took the time to invest in the child's life, to be there for him because those first five years are key. Now, I'm not saying it's hopeless if you say I got saved later in life or I wasn't trained later in life. You could still influence your children. It just takes work. And it takes a lot of hard work, but it will be worth it. But you have to go for their heart, not just the outside. You have to go for their heart. Train up a child in the way that he should go, dealing with their heart. And when they are old, they shall not depart from it. Here we have this blessedness. Samuel means I'm asked of God. Hannah didn't forget the promise she made. She raised this kid and brought him to the Lord, trained and prepared to respond to God with his heart. This is the idea of biblical motherhood that we celebrate. The idea that a mother is taking care of the heart of the matter. Dealing with the heart, getting a hold of that child so that way that child is prepared to follow after God no matter what it is. That they are trained to say, yes, Lord, yes. That's the responsibility of every Christian parent. And one day you will stand before God and give an account on that same thing. How well did you raise that child to follow after God? It's not just the matter of the outside. It's a matter of getting to the heart. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.